not really good. Not a discipline that we haven't uh, heard something from the Johns on as far as flipping, wholesaling, maintenance, uh, checking your foundation with a tripod and yeah. a, and a bucket of you know a water, bucket of colored water. Yeah. Uh, these guys have run into enough problems that they provide tremendous value and the price of admission free typically. Yes, YouTube. Yeah, always. So, the subscribe right. button on YouTube, that's there you it. Go. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, look them up on all of the normal channels and I'm sure they'd appreciate it if you subscribe, if you listen, give a review, it always helps build listenership yeah. and everything else. They're here, um, you know, kind of sharing what they know. And there's a great chance that if you got a question, they've got time to answer it, or if they don't know, it's pointing in the right direction. For sure. So, Thank you for opinion on it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, that was really nice. Um, so that's us. Yeah. But only only subscribe and leave a review if you guys actually find value. If not, do it anyway. It helps. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've started in real estate. Uh, we started a business about five years ago. Uh, we both grew up in construction, so this was just the natural route for both of us to take. Um, the fact that we're both Johns and our last name goes B-A-R to like the third letter, huge coincidence. That's why I shaved my head, that way you can tell us yeah, apart. So I, I keep my head hair, so. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so today uh, we've done everything from wholesaling flips, we're doing, uh, we have rentals, we are currently building three new houses we built and successfully sold one new build uh, this year yeah. we sold it um, so we've been getting into the new build space so we've done pretty much everything and anything in the real estate space except commercial uh, commercial we don't do we don't really fancy right now but you know probably at some point we'll get into that as well so just to kind of get to know you know you guys a little bit who here owns rental properties okay good who owns more than five Okay. okay Self-managing? Nice. Cool. So everybody else owns less than five or no rental properties at all? Is that what we're looking at a little bit? Uh, yeah. I would allude to that, yes. Okay. Oh, he's raising his hand for you? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I got Very nice. Um, all right, so we kind of have a little somewhat agenda. Oh. Um, this is so people don't forget who I am. I lost so mine. we have a little agenda, but please, if you have any questions about buy and hold or anything real estate, single family related, just blurt it out. All yes. right. This we, is, we prefer an op open format. Yeah. So if we're talking and somebody has a question, we prefer engaging. We don't like to just talk for an hour and nobody engage. So. And there's no such thing as a stupid question, just a stupid person asking it. So I'm joking. I'm seriously joking. <laughs> there's a lot of those, please. I'll, I'll try to hold it down. But... Um, <laughs> We wanted to cover pretty much the biggest downfalls to investing in buy and holds. All the misconceptions that there are in buy and holds. Haven't been doing this for quite some time and we started off wholesaling to buy and holds because it's what we've always appreciated, what we always enjoyed, what we always wanted to learn. And there's so many things that people just have a misconception when it comes to rentals. One of the biggest thing is that it's passive. People think that owning rental properties is a passive investment. It's not a passive investment. You're confusing the tax code for the investment, right? It may be classified as passive income for cash flow, but it's a very active investment. You need to be managing the property. You need to understand what the market is doing, what the house has, what kind of repairs are coming up, what kind of updates it needs. 
Is the market renting that hot in that area? Or is there demands for that area? Is it appraising? What do you need to do for it to appraise? Is the market shifting? How has COVID affected the market that you're in? All of these things, you are not gonna know by just having a property manager, having the property just sitting there cash flowing. You need to be an active investor. And we see this time and time again with people that just have money, they jump into real estate, buy a rental property, they're like, that's it, I'm investing. Like, no, <laughs> you just have a rental property, but you know nothing about it. You don't know if, you know if it's appreciating, if there's any tweaks that you can do to increase your rents. Can you get more money for it? Can you add more features to it? Uh, sh should you even be selling it? Are you getting to a point in that market where you've hit the peak and you need to start considering selling the property? As, mo as many people may wanna tell you that real estate is forever, we believe as an active investor, you need to know your market. There's always a better deal out there. And if you can sell that property and move it to a better cash flowing deal, a deal with better appreciation, you should definitely do that. But you're definitely not gonna do that if you're treating it as a passive investment. Anything you want to add to that? Well, I mean, that's what I said. Like a lot of people, they say, well, I can get a property manager to manage the property. I could take care of it. It's like, I, we've, we've started that's a by- second misconception. We started like offloading properties to uh, using property manager. Cause it's like, Hey, they, they handle everything. And we've actually used a property manager one time. And after that is like, I'm not doing that. I'd rather build my own team. Cause we really prefer a property manager to be like a tenant manager. Like they do a good job managing the tenant not the repairs, not knowing what repairs need to be done. Uh, our first property, they said yeah. uh, the sink faucet went out and they sent us a bill, a quote for $450. Like for a kitchen sink faucet, I can buy for a hundred bucks and Lowe's is three blocks away. Like gold plated what? What are we getting? Yeah. And I said, screw it, I'll go do it myself. And within 30 minutes, I had a new faucet for a hundred dollars installed. And it's like, because it, their job is to manage the tenant and they try to, I really refer to it as like the, a lot of them, they try to nickel and dime every piece they can. They take the listing fee, they charge 10% of all the management fee and their job is not trying to keep your costs. They're just trying to keep your business and keep calls from you. So and it, that's it, where I, I think it's like, it's not a passive investment where if you, you still need to manage your property manager and know how a house is actually built and how it actually performs. So that's what I spend a lot of time doing. Yeah. We, we self-manage nine rental properties and we'll, and I, I do all the property manage, all the leasing and everything myself. And it's, it's very hands-off for me in a sense that we've bought, renovated and leased the properties in our mind correctly to where I don't have a lot of calls at all. Yeah. So. And that's, that's the thing with property management. When you're getting into, if you've ever picked up a property from another landlord that you've done some marketing or something like that, and they're kind of burnt out and they had a property manager in place, you hear the horror stories from the property manager. You know, we, we picked up a property before and- the Landlords. Huh? You hear the horror stories from the landlords and everything. Yeah. yeah we had a, well, the loan shadow. shadow. It was, he was from where? He, from California and oh. he bought a property and he'd owned it for six years and he took a $5,000 loss. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
they had picked up the property. He'd owned it for like six, seven years. And I actually know it was even longer than that. Like, cause he had one of those loans. He didn't have to pay interest for the first like five years or didn't have to pay principal for the first five years. It was interest only. And I think it was from 2008. He owned it for like 10 years and he wind up having to sell it to us and make no money on the thing the entire time because the property manager had nickel and dined him with his own construction company that he upcharged yeah. and put a fee on top of the own company. He was double dipping on the thing and it had foundation problems. It had plumbing problems. It had the roof had never replaced. They had chicken wire covering holes in the side from where like the birds were getting in. And it was such a coincidence that every repair was the cash flow that was supposed to be sent up to the landlord. So yeah. it was just a coincidence that every repair was that cash flow. So this guy was losing money every single month on that property. So it's, it's like, well, we're not a big fan of yeah. property manager where if you just were hold that my property manager's got it. It's like, I don't know. There, I'm not saying there's not a good one out there that might do it, no. but for our money, you still need to take responsibility because it's your investment, your name, your money that's on the line, not theirs. Well, and then you also have the issue is that you're hiring a property manager and you don't even know how to manage a property yourself, right? And that kind of comes with hiring anybody, right? You want to outsource anything, especially if you're doing lead management, you know, generating your own leads, your own deals, and everybody wants to outsource everything. You can't outsource what you just don't know. And if you never, I always tell people, your first couple properties, manage them yourself. Take those phone calls, go to the house, deal with the tenant, understand what it is that they're looking at. Because what we did, and this was a huge learning lesson for us, is we went from flipping houses to owning rentals. And one thing that we realized is when you flip a house, you do everything brand new, everything's good, sell it, you're done. With a rental, when you put it out and then they start living in it, and it's like, oh, this went out, and this didn't work, and this happened, we're like, shit. You know, we didn't anticipate any of that so because thing, yeah. living in it is very different. They start kind of living back in the house and using the things and then you start seeing problems. So what we started realizing with the rentals is that, all right, we're started foreseeing these problems. So let's make sure we do replace the exhaust fans and not just clean them up. Let's make sure we do replace these things and change this and put better quality here because doing all of these things made the property last longer. And it made for less phone calls. And it's never going to get cheaper than the first time you do the renovation. Because yeah. if a tenant's living in it and you got to call somebody out there to, hey, go replace one exhaust fan, they're going to charge you an arm or leg compared to what they would have charged you if they were just in the house for that first time when they're renovating everything at once. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that um, for us, like we have one property that's probably I've had to go to more than anything. Mm -hmm. And it was the one property we didn't renovate completely from the very start. So, but we knew these things were wrong going into it. As I, we, we checked the major components. It's like the plumbing was a huge learning curve for us to where like now I won't pick up a rental property without paying the $500 for a plumber. It's a lot of money, but scoping that uh, sewer line, both directions from the street all the way through the backside to look for problems. Cause we bought a property and luckily we had a super cool tenant and the first year they're there the sewer line backed up five times on them and i was like i am so sorry and what's the problem there was a 20 foot section of the whole front yard where that thing just bellied and went down and came back up and was holding water the entire way and it just constantly backing up on them the only solution was we had to dig up that whole sewer line and replace it yeah so that's one thing where i learned it's like the major components here your roof your air conditioner your electrical your plumbing and wire like you have to check that stuff and then that's the other misconception, right? It's that you get a deal and they tell you, you know, you go look at it and you're like, oh, it's clean, it's good. I can rent this out, make some money. All right, 
here's the rent and then here's the ARV. That's a good deal. Yes, but here's the ARV. This house is not ARV. You understand where it's at right now is that it can get rented, but that value sits down here. So you got to run your numbers on this value, not this value, right? Because this value is the people, what most people run their numbers at, but that's not what it's worth. You got to put in the money to get it to this value. So now you bought a house that's actually worth this. You didn't put any money for it, but you bought it thinking that it's worth up here. So if this is not making sense, let me know, you know, second beer, trying to think <laughs> through the math. But you, <laughs> you have your ARV and if you're buying it, you know, and you should be calculating your numbers at the fair market value, right? Because it's not updated and you're not calculating it there. Now you're paying, you're overpaying for a house because guess what? That work still needs to be done to get it to ARV status. You understand? And that's where most people are getting into trouble because they buy the house. They're like, this is good. I can buy, I can close on it. I can rent it. Yes, we've done that and it works. It works fine. But we understand that we're buying at this value and the ARV is up here, but we need to do this chunk of work to get it here. So we're buying it with that discount already in place. You understand? Even if when the wholesalers usually, they're telling me, oh, but you don't need that work. It could get rented. I agree, but it's not worth this as it sits. It's worth this. You understand? I get what you're saying, ARV, but you're not selling it to me like that. The repairs for me to get to that value is substantially more than for me to just rent it as it sits right now. And that is so crucial. I know it may seem simple, but when you're in it, and you need a deal and you haven't gotten a deal for months and you get something that comes down the pipeline and you're like, man, but the market is so good. That's when the, the fundamentals kick in. That's when you need to run your numbers because as COVID showed, anything can change at any moment and it can change just like that. Luckily, COVID was really good to the real estate market here. At least for us, it's been really, really good, but it could have easily gone the other way. I mean, there's just no when, rhyme or reason. When it came to March time, it's like nobody knew what was going to be. Is it going to go down? Is it yeah. going to go up? And luckily, it we went were the like other a direction. possum when that happened. We're like, oh shit, what's going to happen now? We we just closed on a property that. Oh, we closed like, on Tuesday and they shut the, the entire state down on Friday. And it was like, I called them. I was like, do we close? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's hope for the best. Hold, hold on, man. I guess and hope it goes right. And it was a marginal deal to begin with, and it turned out to be all right. And it, well, very all right because of the same thing. COVID ended up pushing the values on Pushing it. the prices up. But, but I mean, the one thing is like the COVID did, like luckily we had several, several properties that came up for renewal that were coming mm -hmm. online that we just renovated to where like tenant screening is a huge thing where everyone's, it, it sucks. I hate tenant screening. Because like I, you, and uh, Veronica, I know like you, how many times have you had somebody like, hey, I'll come to the property. You show up and then you're just standing there like, okay, I've been stood up for the seventh time in a row now. Like tenant screening is terrible because like one thing Zillow's done, you used to be able to put an agent that would like incentivize for like 350 bucks to go and show these houses. And there are pre-screened tenants represented by somebody. Well, that doesn't really happen anymore where most of that stuff comes from Zillow and Truly and stuff like that. But I still go out and I meet every single tenant because like I want to know like who this person is because a communication when it comes to managing a rental property is absolutely key because if you're not showing up and taking care of problems, they're not going to take care of your house and your investment to where like they, I, I still do take calls on a, on a, it might be, it's always on Saturdays and Sundays though when everything goes wrong, never during the week and it's at like nine o'clock at night. 
But I do respond and say, hey, I'll get back to you. Like, let me figure it out and I'll show up. And like, when you show that initiative up front, they will give you more leeway in the long term because they know you're gonna fix it and you know you're gonna take care of it. Because a lot of tenants, they've rented from some a terrible landlord before, they've lived in an apartment before, and it's like, I had this problem and it took six months to get fixed or it never got fixed and I had to deal with it. So communication is absolutely key with tenant screening and screening them up front and meeting these people. So, I mean, we haven't done, like, we don't like to preach about something we've never done before. So we're coming from a standpoint of our, our lowest rent is 925 and the bulk of them are in like the 1200 and uh, the 1500 range. So that is our level of expertise. But with those people and those type of houses that we're working with is communication, talking with them and letting them know, like if it's a fresh renovation, I tell them up front, it's like, hey, this house was just renovated. We did everything in the house. I, there's going to be something you're going to find that doesn't work. Let me know what it is and I'll get it out and get it taken care of. So up front when things aren't working, just random things like a light doesn't turn on or a light bulbs out or a dishwasher wasn't plugged in. Or I was like, I didn't live in that house. And even though I went through and checked it out, it seemed like it was all working. You don't find those things not working until somebody actually is living in the house constantly. And, and so, I mean, to kind of piggyback on that, another thing is I always hear from a lot of landlords is I don't. I don't like knowing who my, my tenants who I am. I don't like them knowing me, you know, who I am and having access to me and all of this. Like, why? You understand? Like, have clear communication with them. Especially, I mean, so many tenants, this became real when COVID and these people could not pay their rent. It's like, if you don't have a dialogue with your tenant, now you're dealing with an eviction, you're dealing with fighting with them, with lawsuits, with all of this, all because you didn't want to open up communication from day one. Even if you decide to have a great property management company out there, that's fine. You need to over communicate with your tenants. You understand? You need to make sure they, they, anything they need, they can call. They're always being taken care of. People tend to dismiss tenants very quickly. You know, it's like, ah, they're tenants, screw them. What are they gonna do? You know, they can't go anywhere else. No, you understand? Like, you, you gotta be a good person, I think, period. Right? Like, it's not even smart investments. Just be a good person. Do what's right. You know, and don't screw over your tenants just because you can. And even right now, with where we are, you can, there's low inventory on rentals, there's low inventories on certain properties that are selling. But just because there's low inventory does not mean you cut corners. Just because people need a house to stay in does not mean you cut corners because it will bite you in the ass later. You understand? Like, it will come back to you. It will hit you later and it's going to cost you that much more to fix it later because now it's going to cost you maybe a month or two of lost revenue because they probably you don't have the tenant anymore. It's going to cost you the work to take somebody in to fix that one issue, you know, instead of doing it up front. Don't cut corners. I mean, all you're doing is hurting yourself. A real estate property, especially a house, it's an investment. It's a long term investment. If you gotta be doing work every time there's a tenant turnover, you are losing money. I mean, let's talk about that too. Like one of our biggest expenses as a landlord is tenant turnover. Like yes. if your house is sitting vacant, not producing an income, like banks still wants their money. They don't care if that thing's not producing income. So one of the things that we've done, and I think Veronica and Will have done it uh, as well, is all of our leases end within a three month period. And the reason for that, if you guys ever seen my market update and like the stuff that I do when I was looking at the data, like when you get, all real estate runs in cycles. There's a new one coming out Sunday. 
Yes. Um, but basically, uh, prices go up in the summertime, down in the wintertime, up in the summertime, down in the wintertime. So all of our leases in between March, April, and May. And what that does, it provides us that flexibility. It's like when the prices are rising up, if I have a tenant that moves out in March or April, May, and the reason I do over three months instead of one month is I learned the hard way when you have four tenants move out at one time in one month at <laughs> the same time, it was just like, oh shit, that's a lot of work. Um, but uh, you spread it out over a certain period of time because if a tenant moves out, that gives you time to get into the property, get the renovation, get it back on the market, and that's the time when everybody's moving around and you have the best opportunity to increase your rents at that time. So we have actually been able to, all, we haven't actually had over a month turnover yet because we've actually kept an open line of communication with them. We reach out to them like, hey, are you gonna be renewing? Six months in advance, we just had a tenant actually reach out to us. His lease isn't up until April. He says, hey, are you guys gonna be increasing rents in April? I was like, no, you've been a great tenant for two years. I'm not gonna mess with the rents. He's like, good, we'll renew for a whole another year. So now I just renewed to 2022 in April. So now I don't have to mess. I know like half of our rents are long-term. And I try to ask him like, I'll give you two months or two years. Uh, as long as you want, like I'll keep those rents the same because the turnover for me is a killer because every month that thing sits vacant, that's a whole mortgage payment gone and it might take you uh, two, three months to recoup that entire mortgage payment. So that's something that we do to uh, eliminate turnovers, have that yeah. time frame. How do you screen your tenants? Like would you use a professional website somewhere where you put their name and social I've been playing around with it between like uh, a Zillow and um, it's another one's called eTenant. That's the one I've been using the most. Like I don't get their credit score, but I get a, a range of it and it, it checks for all your basic stuff. And it, like I meet them. Like that's one thing. Like I got to meet you. I got to get a good feel from you, a good vibe from you. It's like I can screen you online and paper. You might come back clean, but you're a dirt bag when it comes to maintenance of a property. And like, so like, I like to see what they're driving, how they dress, what they look at when they walk through the house uh, and just have a conversation with them. Like, what do you do for work? Just a normal conversation like you might have standing at a bar just to kind of get a feel for them because it's one, like I'm gonna be interacting with these people. Like, I wanna know I can have a conversation with those people um, and just kind of screen them that way. So as far as, I feel like I could get more from a person just talking with them than what I can get online. Yes, I do all that stuff no matter what. And that's another misconception too where, I this comes from gurus, right? Uh, some of the bigger problems that most people face is that they tell you, uh, you gotta get this, they gotta have a credit score here, they gotta have this, they gotta have no dogs, no pets, no this, no that. You gotta take it for yourself. You know, you can't follow those scripts and stuff like that because the market, you, you gotta see what you're willing to deal with, what you're dealing to work with, you know, and, and that's something that no guru is ever gonna be able to teach you because it's a one size fits all kind of thing. And you want to make sure you're judging them for who they are, their character. Like now with some of the leases that we were doing, we were taking into account COVID. What's your job? That was one of the biggest qualifications. Like we want to make sure you're not working for the hotel industry, right? Or the airline industry. Like we want to make sure you have a more stable job. So it's what's your job? What's your income coming from? And we had one that was three people in the house. They put in their income together, but they all had incomes that we knew regardless of COVID, they were going to still be working. So it was good work. It was good jobs. Their credit score wasn't amazing, but we we're like, we looked at what the issues were on the credit score, right? So, I mean, it's always good to kind of have those parameters yourself and kind of figure out like what's really an issue. Like a low credit score doesn't mean anything if it's not low because they keep jumping out of leases, right? 
if it's low because you know whatever other reason, whatever it may be, it, yeah. it, like Hospital honestly, bills. I I don't mind low credit scores because that means I can't get a mortgage either. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's not was that kind of terrible to say, but it's saying like they can't move out, and so I know they're See, they're gonna. You guys they're, worry about me. That they're gonna stay in the house. They need a place to live, and that's why I don't jack with them. Some people like, uh, and that's one thing I've realized that how pissed a tenant will get over twenty-five dollar a month increase in their rent like they do not like that but like and that's one thing i realized that the uh a property manager we hired one time they that's what they they had it in their lease that every year you stay it will increase rent 25 bucks and i was just like that's a slick move because they get pissed off and they move out and when they they move out you get another releasing fee yeah so like the after tenant, a while the, the 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 leasing the property managers don't care if you're sitting vacant for a month you understand? Because they get the releasing fee and all that. So you got to care for that. So even though there's one property that I manage that uh, still has a property manager in place. Um, and it's actually my mom so sitting in an IRA of my mom. So like we want to have that separation. But I still have a relationship with the tenant. And I will overstep the property manager. Like she'll reach out to me. He's like, hey, I can't get any contact with this person. I can't. Um, the, the $700 concrete step? Yeah, and they wanted seven hundred dollars for a single concrete step too. I was so like, we're in the wrong business. We need to be making concrete steps. So that's why I'm seven hundred dollars. We're not big fans of property managers. Um, but yeah. back to like a turnover. Some of the stuff that we've done that we've learned is, and it baffles me this day, why apartment complexes still use carpet. Like we don't use any carpet in any of our rental properties. Yeah. We use a, a vinyl plank that, uh, and it's, it's extremely affordable. I mean, maybe costs like fifty percent more than carpet, but it comes like a fifty year warranty it's 100% waterproof if they screw up one piece I can pick up one piece and glue another piece down so Extremely all of our durable. properties are the exact same product exact yeah. same colors exact same paint colors and it looks like wood like that, that's the craziest look. thing that like, people walk in and they're like oh my god the floors are beautiful we're like really that is awesome because yeah. you know it's stick down it's rubber it really is. And then we use the same color. I mean, even for our renovations, we use the same color from our renovations as we do our rental yeah. property. So we just have a plethora of extra paint. Cause I realized like you're ending these projects and I'd have like three gallons of paint left in this five gallon bucket. And then I have to throw it out. And I was like, God, I hate throwing all this paint out. And eventually like we just started reusing the same color for every property we have. And depending on the rental property, depending on the rents, like what we do with it, whether we do the ceilings and the walls, the same color. But that's one thing that we've, been able to like on tenant turnover is like having open communication ending the leases at that right time of the market when everybody's moving around and then using the same products across all of our properties yeah. so and, and also because of the communication we had actually a tenant move out and because they wanted to buy a house and just so happened that John is an agent so they moved out and John represented them on buying their house for like two hundred plus thousand dollars so kind of made up for the difference there Right? I mean, we did get it re-rented very quickly, well, it but- it made it very, the, the same thing, it came to just straight communication. It's like, yeah. I was able to represent them, I let them out of their lease early, and then within a month, I had it, like, I had it back on the market with a new tenant in it before the next mortgage payment was due because I knew it was coming. So I could relist the property and then take the phone calls, the conversations, kind of pre-screen them over the phone as best you can. It's very hard to, talk to somebody over the phone to get them to show up and who's going to show up to the properties. So like that is probably the number one time consuming problem is finding that right tenant and dealing with it because you will just get absolutely just inundated and flooded with phone calls and text messages and emails. But yeah. 
you got you got to go through it uh, for us in our opinion well, and then also I mean tenants you got to think about it like if you've ever been a tenant you're not trying to be busting your landlord's balls all the time you know you you got your life to live so there most tenants they're not gonna be doing that to you you know unless the house is really messed up and you've cut a lot of corners and there's a lot of things wrong with it but most tenants they like living their lives they're not trying to call you all the time and just see how you're doing or just complaining about nonsense you know if you did your proper screening you're not gonna have that kind of consistent call flow like people always say i don't want to be fixing broken toilets well, we don't fix broken toilets we may fix overflow ones but that was one yeah. house yeah. um but that was a lesson we learned but another misconception that i think is uh fa wow my mind went blank you lay off that beer yeah <laughs> Yes, definitely. We, yeah, we just bought two uh, two months ago, two, three months ago, like in July, I think is when we picked up our last two. I haven't bought anything in a while, but it's not for the lack that we won't. It's just that we haven't found anything worth picking up. I mean, I understand. So, I mean, the, picking up rental, rental properties, it's one of the things too. It's like, just because of the business we're in that we've renovated houses, been in construction, it's like we understand how a property operates and what could go wrong and take that into a contingency later on. So like the one property we didn't actually renovate fully, it's because like the house was clean, it was in decent condition, a new flooring, new paint, new roof, and it was good. The AC was new, but we knew we didn't fix things. So I expected that we were gonna have those problems. So in a property like that, we, do want a higher cash flow from that and we high, hold high reserves for that property because we know eventually it's going to need a new roof and it's going to need foundation work because a house across the street that we own needed 27 piers like we know it's going to need it eventually so we take that into account when we're buying it's like what is the future problems this house is going to have and how good of a deal do i need to have and how much reserves do i need to keep so like depending on the property it depends on the cash flow and reserves that we like to keep and then you also got to understand the market that you're in right like right now ever since covid happened are those bats that is insane i'm sorry i never heard them that close it's crazy <laughs> i'm like i don't have a hat um but yeah don't worry they're not no, gonna but they'll scratch the hell out of my head <laughs> but with covid you have a lot of people that are wanting to move out of their apartment units right like that's why like i have some friends that are in multifamily and all that and apartment units i was like just be careful because people want the space and especially so not to get not to get political or anything but like depending on who wins right there's more chances of a shutdown again moving forward if that happens that creates another urgency of people wanting to move out to the suburbs get out of cities get out of dense areas get a backyard get some room so when you think about that and you look at sellers being afraid and they don't want to sell because they have their house, they have equity, they know their payments, they know they can take care of it. And they're like, well, if I sell, where do I go? Right? So that's what we dealt with a lot of homeowners. We're talking to homeowners and they're like, I want to sell, but I'm not sure. And I'm like, I think you're right. You should stay split. Like, you know, you should take care of this. So acquiring rental properties right now makes the most sense because people need a place to live. People want a roof over their head and rental properties, We've, I don't think any of our rentals have taken longer than two weeks to rent. To kind of wrap everything up, just a, a quick tip for everybody. One thing that's uh, helped our business 
We started from nothing, seriously, from zero. And one of the things that helped us kind of grow our business has been networking, is events like this, networking events like this. We come, we talk to people, we network with people, we see what they need, what kind of help they need, what, what is it, where can we add value in any way? And because of that networking, that's how we get the, our deals. That's how we get our private money. That's how we get partnerships. We've partnered with a lot of people here. Uh, we learn from a lot of people here, the Pritchetts. You know, we're always calling them. I'm calling Will a lot and asking for advice and, and help. Um, really, really take advantage of networking. Really take advantage of, don't just go to an event like this, especially now that our son to have some of them for now. Um, just don't speak to the people you know. Move around, talk to other people, get to know other people. Because you just never know when somebody comes across a deal that's like, you know, they don't know what to do with. And you're like, man, I will kill for that deal. Right, but they don't know you. So get to talk to people, get to network. That's really how we build our whole business. It's been networking, it's been just talking to people. And our podcast is essentially that. It's a way for us to network with people. We put out enough information, enough stuff out there that people eventually reach out to us and ask us questions. It's like, here we go, now we can network. Right, now we can meet more people. So really hope that helps and Hope you got some value from everything tonight. All right, great job, guys. Thank you. Guys. Thank you.